0: We're going to talk a little bit about the offseason as a whole. We're going to talk about what they might still do before Fest and spring training. Now that the White Sox have made their moves and their guys are back at work, we talked about this. I don't know how much I got into it, but the Sox essentially take off the holidays like a teacher or a college kid (laughs) or, a don't know, a government employee. They're gone for like weeks. Right. Right around the holidays. So they got back into the office on Monday. And Monday, I was contacted by my new ticket representative. If you've gone to a White Sox game and filled out anything online, you have a ticket representative.
1: Even if you've never had season tickets. Right, because they make they, they want to make you feel special.
0: Right. So I have this guy. I got handed off from another guy. That guy probably got promoted to like people that actually buy full game plans. Right. This guy's probably new. Okay, so my new guy, Mike, he called me right after the Grandal deal. I think I told this story. And then you're like, hey, get Zach Wheeler and we'll talk. Right. And so when they lost, I haven't heard from him since. But now all these moves happen over the holiday break. So what happens Monday morning? Boom. I got a phone call. I got a message. I got a text. Hey, I left you a message. It, it wow. was It was kind of like the needy the needy ex-girlfriend. Yes. It was It was kind of like that. Now, the thing is, they've done so much that I'm seriously considering what I want to do ticket-wise. Because you get used to, over the last couple years, just showing up at the ballpark, turning the app on on your phone, whatever you're using, and buying a $7 seat in the 300 level. Because you could do that. You could do that last year. You could show up middle of the week for like a like a Tuesday night or Wednesday night game and just show up at the ballpark, go get a beer at Cork and Carry, walk over like 20 minutes before game time, turn on your app, and just see people trying to sell their season tickets as quickly as possible. Ticket brokers just trying to get anything. $5. $3. <laughs> like you get upper deck for like a buck fifty. Wow. You could. Like last minute before a game, you could do that last year. That's crazy. I went to a game with my uncle. We met down at the ballpark. He went on his phone, bought four seats at $7 a piece for a Wednesday night game in the 300 level right at third base. That's the level with the the waitresses and the fancy foods and everything else like that in between the two skyboxes, seven bucks a seat. Wow. He bought four of them because you had to buy all four to get seven a seat, but it was still 14 bucks a person for the two of us. And we were able to spread out because we had four seats. Jeez. We could also spread out because there was nobody else in the section. Because that's what it was so like. It's not going to be like that real anymore. Quick,
1: real quick, the 300 level is the club level. That's the club level. Yeah, that's yeah. the, okay. It's wow. not going to be like that anymore. Wow.
0: It, this is all changing. If you want to go, get ready to pay for tickets like normal again.
2: Okay. I think that's what wow. it's going to
0: be like. And I think Sox fans have to be willing to go and do that because you can't gripe about the team sucking and then not show up for the games. So now for me, it's just like sitting around saying, okay, well, what do I want to do? Like, what do I want to commit to? Do I feel like I'm a season ticket guy? You know? Like if I get season tickets, I'm not getting a full year because I just don't make enough money. Mm -hmm. I've already, I've already, I've already, my wife would murder me if I went out and I bought a two seats for an 81 game plan. She would murder me. (laughs) I'd be dead. The tickets would arrive in the mail and then you would just find my bloodstained corpse in a field someplace with the tickets shoved up in an uncomfortable place. That, that's what
1: would happen. Well, it wouldn't be uncomfortable if you're dead. No, but- I'd be
0: dead, but it would look uncomfortable to people that found me. A neighborhood bar, a Southside tradition, your home base for Sox viewing parties, Cork and carry at the Park, 3258 South Princeton Avenue, where they have an incredible menu that includes award-winning burgers, Chicago favorites, wings, beef. Pulled pork, mac and cheese, salads, wraps, nachos, and an incredible environment. When I'm getting a drink pre-game or post-game, it's over at Cork & Carry at the Park. And in case you didn't know, you can rent the entire bar out for events. Just visit them at CorkAndCarryAtThePark.com for more details. Cork & Carry at the Park, at the corner of 33rd and Princeton, right near the park. We'll see you there. Our guest this week really needs no introduction. He's been on the show many times over the last almost two years. He's the senior editor at Future Sox, the managing editor at Southside Pen. James Fox was so right about everything that happened with Luis Robert, from the extension to pretty much nailing all the details of the contract that the national baseball writers had to give him props after it happened. Also, be amazed at this interview if you pay close attention we talk with James on Monday night and on Tuesday, the White Sox signed relief pitcher, Steve C. Listen, how James will predict it. When I play the interview, I'm going to have to stop calling you James and start calling you Mr. Fox. How'd you become
2: so big time? I don't know. I think I got kind of lucky this time, Um, but it's obviously been a crazy week for me going on shows like this one. And kind of just like talking about the process. I mean, I, You know, I I happened to just get really good information this time. And, you know, I didn't know how soon it was going to happen. You know, I had kind of heard that the Sox were, like, optimistic that something was going to get done, like, eventually, like before opening day possibly. But I had no idea that it was going to come together as quickly as it did. And, you know, it's obviously awesome that it did.
0: All right, so we all know what the White Sox have done to this point. They went out and they grabbed two starting pitchers. They add Yasmani Grandal. They've got Robert locked up now. They put Mazzara out in right field. Uh, they've got a they've got a hitting instructor that now the the storyline is going to be well. Our hitting coach works well with this guy, and we think we can fix what's going on in right field with Mazzara. They got Encarnacion on the way, even though that still is not official, which is amazing to me. <laughs> Yeah. I, I don't like, I'm starting to doubt that it's actually happening. I mean, is he on like a, like a three or four week vacation? Have you heard anything about that?
2: What's going on? Yeah, actually, I don't, I think there's like a solid chance that he's not back from the Dominican Republic yet. So I, I heard actually that he, he kind of like accepted that deal um, before they were like expecting him to accept that deal. You know, like he was like, 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 you know, like, I think they thought that like the offer was good and it like might get done, but he had his like father's funeral in the DR, you know? So like, Oh yeah, he's probably not going to be handling baseball right now. But then like, I guess like, you know, either him or the agent obviously like put it out there like, Oh yeah, we're taking the White Sox deal. But like, he also like, he needs to pass a physical before Rick Hahn's going to like say anything about it. So who, right, God, who exactly. knows? I don't, I don't, I don't know.
0: So is is the whole plan here? I mean, am, am I missing anything? But the way that I see it is that deal makes an awful lot of sense as like a one year deal with the one year option, because you can easily buy him out. If Andrew Vaughn is ready. And if Andrew Vaughn is not ready, you just any head ha- and, and then has a good year. You just pick up that second year.
2: No, I th- Yeah. I think it's a great deal. I think, you know, the fact that it, I mean, we haven't seen the official deal yet, but it didn't seem like there was like a huge um, like a huge buyout in UQ. So yeah, I mean, it's like a no-brainer. And I mean, the guy hits 30 to 35 homers for you this year. I mean, Lon flies through the minors, and you got a decision to make. But you know, and God forbid, like you know, something happens and the Sox underachieve again. Like they could trade him this year too. So you know, that's obviously not the plan. I don't I don't really think there are such things as bad one-year deals especially for guys that are just good I mean it does create some roster issues for guys specifically like James McCann but you know I think if you got the chance to add Edwin Encarnacion you do it generally especially for the price they're going to get him for you know I know that you were a patient
0: guy during this off season. Uh, we preached a lot of patience as well while we were on the show, uh, there are times where you can get a little frustrated with things. I know when the Wheeler thing didn't work out, uh, Sox fans kind of started pulling their hair out, like we're going to end up without a, a pitcher. We were concerned about that as well. What was the point? You know, because I know you, I know you. You know, you, you're around the team, you covered a team like a glove. Uh, what was the point? where you said, yeah, this is going the way that I wanted it to go? Like, what was it? Was there a specific move? Was there a specific thing that you heard where you were like, this is going to be the off season that we were promised?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, like, the Grand All thing was, like, the start of it, but it was so early, right, that people kind of lose sight of it. Like, I feel like the White Sox get their positive press for, like, 72 hours and then they don't do anything else immediately. And it's kind of like, Oh yeah. Okay. So they're just going to add grand and do nothing. And, and honestly, like, I don't know. I'm not really like that type of fan. Like I, like I, I believe that this front office is going to add just because of like what I was told. But I mean, like, look, it's easy to be skeptical, especially like rooting for the team that we all root for. So like, I understand some of it now, the mass freakout over like Ross Detweiler signing or like, you know, number five starter signing with teams not named the Chicago White Sox, like stuff like that, like with a bunch of guys still on the board. You know, I kind of knew how some of the Wheeler stuff went down. Like they, they targeted Wheeler. They targeted Grandall, They were a the high offer on both Wheeler thing didn't work out. There wasn't really much they could do. He he went to the East coast and like something similar happened with Jordan Wiles preferred Texas and, you know, Wade Miley preferred his old pitching coach from Vanderbilt and since like stuff like that happens every year to every team and we don't hear about it. But with the Sox, it's like, Oh, well, they should have just paid more. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. Now, if uh, Dallas Keuchel and Jin Ryu and all these other guys like sign elsewhere and the socks do nothing, then sure. Like I'll, you know, I'll, I'll pull the torches out and like everybody can follow me. But like, I don't know. I guess I just like needed more time. And then obviously like, some of that stuff came to fruition. They signed Dallas Keuchel, they signed Gio Gonzalez, and then, you know, the stuff that they've done since. So once I was, like, keyed into, like, what their plan was, I was cool with it because I didn't think that, like, missing on Wheeler was going to stop them from doing something else. One of
0: the things that people are talking about, or you at least see the negative people that are out there still is, hey, we're not even at – right in the middle of the pack right now with overall salary. Like, there's still money that can be spent here. Do you think that the Sox are are looking at any other pieces in this off season? And if you do, what what do you think they're still looking for? And is there a possibility that they're not willing to top out at what they think their overall top salary is going to be because they still want to be flexible next off season?
2: Yeah, I think they're going to save a little. But, I mean, I think Hans talked about that, how – like they're gonna leave themselves some for like the trade that line 'cause because you, know, I mean, you never know, right? But I, I don't think they're done completely. I just like don't really know what that means. So like, I mean, look, they could sign a guy to start at second base to start the year. They could sign a right-handed hitting complement for you know for Nomar Mazzara for like three million dollars or something. I'm, you know, I'm fairly certain a reliever's coming. Whether that's like. Steve Seashack in free agency or like a big trade for like a veteran that's on the block, like you know, so they're gonna add money there. But yeah, I mean they're they're gonna be middle of the pack. And like look, they're never I don't think they're ever gonna be like top five or six in spending, but you know, they should be in the top third of the league, like every year. It doesn't they don't have to like max out on that this year though. I mean guys are guys are gonna start getting more expensive but you also have money coming off the books next year because you have some one-year deals on your team
0: they're going into Saxfest here in a couple of weeks i believe that it'll be an overall very positive mood around Saxfest. And uh, I, I also believe the White Sox are going to be kicking themselves. they didn't make it three or four days instead of reducing it down the two. Cause it's yeah. going to be nothing but a love fest now after last year, when it, when it wasn't so much of a love fest. So what do you think is going to be, is there a storyline? Is there something else for people to watch during the off season besides just like one relief pitcher? Are we starting to look at like positional battles? Like w- where is it now? Because I kind of feel like we wanted this off season so badly. We wanted it to go well so badly. And we're sitting here at the beginning of January and now I'm like, we did everything that we wanted to do. Like all the big stuff's done. So like what's the storyline now? Is it does Mick does Nick Madrigal play well enough they go, we're just gonna start him right out of the gate? I mean, like what what is the storyline?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think like Louis Roberts, like still a story just because he's like awesome and he's gonna start the year with the big league team. But like, um, I think the pitching staff is is still curious. Like Michael Kopach, like what does he look like in spring training? I mean, he's like pretty far removed from the Tommy John surgery to the point where like he should be fine, but it just depends on how they want to handle him. And there's like multiple schools of thought on this. Like, you know, like I, I think he's one of their best five. Like it's going to be tough to justify him not starting in the rotation, but like, who does he start over? You know, like it's tough to like, look at spring training stats and just be like, Oh yeah. Like he, he deserves to start over one of these other guys. Like, and I feel like they might want to start him in Charlotte to like mess with his innings. But like, if he's at an innings limit, like you could also make the argument that like none of those pitches should be thrown in Charlotte. So I don't know. I think, I think like Colt is a huge story. I think the bullpen is like one area of potential weakness where they might have an issue. Cause I just think Alex Colomay is a bit of a ticking time bomb. And for as good as Aaron Bummer was last year, like we've talked about this before. You just like, you don't know, you know, this is like a thing that, that Dave talks about often, like it, relievers are weird. So like, if you told me that, you know, like Jace Fry was better than Aaron Bummer this year, I'd be like, okay, Like I I I, like wouldn't be surprised at all by that, or like all of a sudden like Cody Medeiros is good and like he helps you. Like it's just like bullpens are weird. So like, I always trade those guys when I can for a premium, and you know if you can get like an Ian Kennedy for a reduced rate or a Michael Givens or somebody like that, like I, I I'd be interested in it. And I do think that's probably one area like all through camp is like who the five starters are, and then like who they initially bring out of the bullpen because I think the lineup's like pretty much set. Who's the
0: storyline in the minors then? That's coming along. Like, who are we going to see that's going to make us excited after you get past the Lewis Robert and the Nick Mandrigal? Like, is it Dane Dunning? Is it the resurgence of him? Is is it is it keep an eye out for Jake Berger because he's you know if he if he finally gets healthy, like we want to see what's going to happen there? Is it just
2: Andrew Vaughn? What, what are you watching? Yeah, so there's a few things. Like, I I mean Andrew Vaughn, I think is gonna be a pretty universal like top 25 prospect in the sport i'm very curious to see like where they start him like i kind of just hope that they start him at double a and just see what happens because he can handle it um magical will be a story but i mean obviously like nick Madrigal, like the Sox are gonna suck one more prospect debut out of us i think this year you know where like i think he's gonna start in the minors and then he'll be up at some point and They'll market the like you know nick magical day or whatever and like we'll get it dunning is an interesting story just because mm-hmm. like you know, he, he, you could make the argument that like Dane Dunning will be in their 2021 rotation. I'm just not sure how soon and how much he pitches this year. And then I'm I'm interested in like some of the young pitchers behind Dunning, like some of the guys that are going to have to be good for you to like kind of restock this system a little bit. Like Jonathan Stever had a breakout season last year. I think he is knocking on the doorstep of top 100 prospect status. You know, he, you know, he's going to be at Birmingham this year probably. And then I think there's an outside chance that the two high school pitchers that they drafted last year, Matthew Thompson and Andrew Dahlquist, those guys could both play full season at Cannapolis to start this year. Uh, and I guess in addition to that, one of the reasons why I think they're taking a shot on Nomar Mazzara is Luis Alexander Basabe and Mike Rodolfo still, and those guys are on the forty-man roster, so you know, not that those guys are definitely big league contributors, but they're, but they're, it's not a definite no at this point, right? Like one of those dudes could just like break out of Charlotte and be on the team.
0: Excellent stuff as always, James. I love when you call in. I appreciate it, and also. Uh, Dave and I have said it several times when we sit down here and we're just chit-chatting. A lot of times without the microphones, we always marvel at how well you're doing out there. You're doing great work, and we love having you on. We're we're fortunate that you come on Sox in the Basement as much as you do.
2: Yeah, man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Scott Merkin wrote an article that appeared this week on WhiteSox.com. And I just met Scott
1: recently, and we're hoping to have him on here very soon. It could be as soon as next week. We're going to see how this works interesting out. Interesting that Scott is still writing for the White Sox. Well, he, he writes for, for MLB. That? Okay, because he, like he used to write for the Sun-Times right. like way back in the day. I
0: asked him about this. Like We were sitting, we were having a beer, and I, I asked Scott. I was like, do you work for the Sox? You work for MLB? He's like, I work for MLB. Okay. So that's that's who pays him. Now, I'm sure if Scott Merkin like did not get along with the White Sox suddenly— it, it, like, they could probably complain to MLB. You know, I always feel like those jobs somehow are connected. Like, you can't you can't see Jerry Reinsdorf in the hallway and flip him off and still keep your job with MLB, right? <laughs> like, there's got to be a limit. I'm sure he can be critical, but he can't be, like, super critical. Okay? You can't just, like, look at Kenny
1: Williams and call him names all day long. Like, something would happen to him. Is there a position imagine. that... Do, that is, that is where that behavior is allowable, and, and if it is, can I please uh, apply for it? So Scott Scott uh, did an article about what he thought possibly was going to be the starting
0: lineup for twenty twenty, and we've reviewed some of Scott's articles before because. He's close to the team. Right. And you, now you can't seen, deny it. You cannot now, deny that guys like Scott Merkin are close enough to the team that he's hearing things because he has regular conversations with people inside of the organization. Just like our guest today, James Fox. No. James Fox has conversations with people inside of the organization. So when he sits there and he
1: says, This is what I think they're gonna do, it's because he's getting that from somewhere. This is something I'm interested in because I have seen some ridiculous potential lineups for this team, like on people who who are obviously who obviously are from out of town and don't cover them regularly. So I'm pretty interested to hear what Scott has to well, say.
0: Well, he doesn't put down like, you know, like batting order, but he puts on who's th- who he thinks is going to be on the team. So at catcher, he's got Grandall and McCann as locks with Collins as a possibility, but he does say Collins could very well start the season catching regularly with triple A Charlotte. Okay. I see that line. I think to myself, somebody's floated that idea towards him when he talks to somebody. Okay. Jose Abreu is your first baseman. You're a second baseman. He has nobody as a lock. He has Garcia, Madrigal, Mendick, or if they go out and they make a move. Now, what I'm hearing is Rick Renteria wanted Madrigal. Okay. He wanted him towards the end of the year as much as we wanted him up towards the end of the year. He Just like he wanted Luis Robert up at the beginning of the year. If Nick Madrigal shows up and plays hard, this will be a conversation between manager and front office. Because manager wants to win. Manager knows that if he doesn't do well, the buck stops with him. Right. And he's already been bounced out of the Cubs organization when they were, when they
1: were in the middle of their rebuild. He doesn't want to be the scapegoat
0: for a 75-win season.
1: And franchise is trying to, of course, they're trying to screw around with service time.
0: Right. But the thing is, I don't get the service time because what is Nick Mandrigal ever? Does he seem to you to be the kind of guy that's going to make two hundred million million one no, day?
1: Oh, no, no. Does no, he no.
0: seem to you to be the kind of guy that's just going to just kill you in arbitration or he's going to become a free agent and it's just going to be like a battle where you're going to be like bidding $20 million for him
1: where you're Rob, worried about the service time? Robert and Kopek, yes. E- Mandrigal, no. Eloy, possibly. Oh. Madrigal, eh. No. Mandrigal, I don't see why he
0: w- shouldn't. If he's ready, he should start. Now, Some people in the organization may honestly feel like he still isn't ready. And you can make that argument. There are still a few things. that. But when his defense shows up, you see Ricky Renteria talk about defense in the infield. You heard him rave about Yomer Sanchez's defense in the infield. You saw how he forced him out there even when he was having tough times last year because of how much he values defense. This kid last year, the year before that, could have started defensively for the team, right? You know, he already had Gold Glove defense. I think he gets in there, and that's a real conversation. I think if Nick Madrigal doesn't start with the team, the manager lost the argument with the front office, because I think that there's going to be two different sides on this. It's going to be. I think that's one of the stories of spring training, personally. Okay, now I I think Leury Garcia is probably going to be the guy at second base.
1: Or or Danny Mendick, but the- and you're going to need and and we've talked about how you are you are going to need defense in that infield because there's going to be a lot of ground balls thrown this year because of because of Keuchel. Um, also about how you don't know what you're going to get with Tim Anderson's defense or heh, lack thereof. So it, yeah, I mean it's. I don't see, look, if we've said this before, dude, if you're trying to win, just stop it with the service time. Right. Sign these guys to long term. You don't even need to sign or, Nick Madrigal or to long term. Or, or, or just eat the extra
0: year of service. Nick Madrigal is not going to be a 40 home run hitter. You're not going to have to worry about signing him when his service time runs out. If he's ready, start him okay I this is I think that's going to be one of the more interesting storylines of the entire offseason now look Merck's got an easy job this year with the projecting the lineup thing because Tim Anderson's at short Juan mancada is at third he's got he even knows his three outfielders with Jimenez, Robert and Mazzara.
1: right I mean that's I find it
0: interesting talking to James Fox where he's talking about some of these guys on the 40 man that have the ability to to at least show something in spring training, and if Mazzara doesn't get
1: going, you could see a Basabe. And I'm having a hard time still buying Mazzara as your everyday right fielder anyway. Well, I think, like, I think there's still another move. coming. I don't think he's everyday though.
0: I think Adam Ingle's playing when he, when it's a lefty. I really do. I think I think Adam Ingle's playing with. They may well, start or off Gar- the season. Or they Garcia, a, right? I mean, they and may and, and, play a month. They may play a month with Mazzara every day against lefties, righties, because they want to see. But he will quickly turn into a platoon player if he's up there doing terribly. I, I really believe that you have two. You have Garcia and Engel that can go out there and can play right field and do better against lefties than what Mazzara does historically. Right. It's it. will it, be a no-brainer when they. No, end but that's up doing
1: what I'm that. saying. Like when you when you're looking at your depth chart like that, or when you're looking at your lineup and you're seeing these guys saying, "Okay, Mazzara is your everyday right fielder." I, 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 I also. You know, agree with you and have a hard time believing that.
0: And then Merck, he's on the pitchers. I mean, we all know who the starters are. Giolito, Keiko, Gonzalez, Cease, and Reynaldo Lopez. Yes. With uh, Kopech and Dylan Covey, at least at springtime, being the two outside possibilities. Covey's a AAA pitcher. And I, I liked what the uh, 108 guys brought up last week, that he's not very good in his first inning. He's not a relief pitcher. You know what he is? He sits down in AAA. A. He pitches regularly, and if there's an injury and Kopech isn't ready yet, that's what he is. If there's two injuries, you see him. If there's a weird doubleheader and they've got to like have a guy come up for one start, that's what Dylan Covey is. That's the most you should see him all year long. Right. And, and and Michael Kopech, it'll be interesting. Does he start the season with the team? Do they mess around? Do they try to play service time games? Does he show up at spring training throwing 100 miles an hour, and it's like very hard to justify why you wouldn't have him right away? In the rotation, it does he start in the in the bullpen and how quickly does Reynaldo Lopez lose his job when Michael Kopech is ready? Isn't this amazing compared to last year at this time? When you look at this, remember, you wrote this article last year. There are like five possibilities at like every position.
1: Right, and there's we, holes everywhere. Yeah, and there's no holes. There's holes. We, at, like last year, there were holes everywhere. This year, you don't have. This year, you don't have those holes. We used to say there's four guys on this team that are major league baseball
0: players. Right. That are on the. That's not the case anymore. No. No. This is a team. This is an actual full team now, where we're just trying to figure out what we're gonna do, and and you are gonna have the surprise where one guy doesn't do as well as you hoped he would, and you're gonna have the surprise of the guy that's gonna come out of nowhere, and you're be like, wow, the new Aaron Bummer. Or wow! Or the no, new, Jam- or the new right.
1: James McCann, or, right. or yeah, you No
0: know. Mazzara figures it out for like the first half, right? And then doesn't for the second half. I mean, but I mean, who knows? But the storylines are gonna be interesting. Like Timmy Anderson, is he gonna be able to play a better defense? Is that average gonna stay up high? If the average drops, is he worth it over at shortstop? If he's not, if if his defense doesn't improve,
1: does it, Yoan Mankata build on what he did last year? Oh, I, I see him as an MVP candidate this year. I'm really
0: expecting big things from him.
1: I 40 home so. runs I from Jimenez.
0: So. 40 home runs from Jimenez. MVP candidate, Joan Moncada. Book it. Write it down. <laughs> I said it. All right. We're
1: not doing our predictions yet. It's no, too we're not early. doing it
0: yet, but it's my early knee jerk reaction as we end the show. I needed one. I needed no. to get something in there.
1: All right. No. Okay.
0: And the sacks will just keep making moves. Another prediction for you. I don't think they're done. Steve Cshek, our new relief pitcher, our latest addition, 295 ERA this year. 218 last year, 109 the year before that. He's got a career 1.151 whip, pitched in 70 games last year and ended up with seven saves for the Cubs and does not give up a lot of home runs. 0.6 home runs over every nine innings. I mean, that's a pitcher. That's a nice little deal. Another one of those one-year deals with a one-year option. So I expect this to be a really good deal. Another guy probably going to be showing up at Saxfest in a couple
1: of weeks. Uh, for our listeners, so SoxFest is when this year? It's coming up. 24th and 25th. Of January. Yeah. Okay, cool. That is a Friday and a Saturday. Okay, it's a Friday and no a Saturday. Sunday so there's year. no, interesting. So there's no Sunday. No. There's no Sunday this year. Um, what are you hoping for? What are you looking forward to? I mean, they're doing it at McCormick Place this year too,
0: right? Yeah, it's going to be weird. I'm already in trouble because I my daughter's eighth grade dance Father-daughter dance is Friday night.
1: Oh, so you're in trouble with the wife and the daughter. You're not in trouble with the socks. No, no, no. no. I'm in trouble with
0: the wife and the daughter, so now I can't go to the post party that was going to happen with all the bloggers and 108ers and socks people that I was going to go to.
1: And that's Friday night. I'll be in Evergreen
0: Park and uh, doing a father-daughter dance where it's the Roaring Twenties. And then taking pictures (laughs) that'll last a lifetime or end up in a shoebox in a year, and uh, then go out to Fox's Pizza, where the dads have to buy a bunch of food for the the girls. Oh,
1: man. They run around with their
0: shoes off and dance to some lame band that's playing there.
1: Yeah. Fox's Pizza, dude. Oof. (laughs) Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement.